We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, this is Cheryl Broderson, and I'm in studio with... Jasmine Allnut. And so... What have we done, Jasmine, to make that happen? Well, we've actually brought in a secret weapon today. We've That's right. brought in a special guest, <laughs> Kathy Gilbert. Ooh. That's right. Woo! Who's going to be sharing with us about Elizabeth Elliot. And you know why? Why? Because Kathy actually spent the night at her house. <gasps> they were good friends. They're In fact, you friends. spent, what, a week with her? <laughs> Almost a week. Almost wow. a week. How wonderful. Love it. You know, the first time I ever heard Elizabeth Elliot speak, and this is something that Jasmine and I have in common. We both went to Westmont College. Mm-hmm. And mm. uh, my freshman year, I remember that Elizabeth Elliot came in and spoke at chapel, and I was not exactly where I should be. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> like an outright backslider. It was all in my heart where nobody could see, but God knew. Mm. And man, it was like she called me out. And I was so mad at her <laughs> because it was um, it was just about you should be your whole life should be about seeking what the will of the Lord is. Mm-hmm. That's what your whole life should be. If you're here at this college for any other reason than to know the purpose God has for you, you need to drop out. And I was like, well, you know, that's really wow. mean. I mean, I just went home and I told my dad, Elizabeth Elliot is mean. You know? <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, because I, I knew that his favorite book, one of his all-time favorite books was Through Gates of Splendor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loved that. It inspired him. Um, you know, all that happened in 1956. He was a young pastor. Mm-hmm. And of course, that was four years before I was born. But it's mm-hmm. um, yeah. a fascinating story. So, um, Kathy. Yes. Uh, Tell us about Elizabeth Elliot. Maybe, yes. was she born in Oregon? She was born in Belgium. Belgium? Mm-hmm. She was born Jim to was a missionary. Born in Oregon. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Wasn't, he, wasn't Jim from Oregon? Okay. Uh, Jim yeah. was probably born in Oregon. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth okay. was born in Belgium to missionary uh, missionary family, the Howards. Uh-huh. And when she was just a, a young thing, she they brought her back to the States, thinking they were just going on furlough. Mm-hmm. But they ended up settling in the States. And they settled in the Saints back in um, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, outside of Philadelphia, because her father, Philip Howard, was invited by her uncle, her grandfather and uncle, to take over and help run the Sunday School Times. Oh, and the Sunday cool. School Times was back in the fifth, well, back in those days. So we're talking twenties. The twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the happening uh, Christian ministry. Globally, because mm-hmm. all the churches would get their curriculum and use it in their Sunday schools and use it in their churches for okay. their cool. But adult services used to have Sunday school. Yeah. And yeah. I think Sunday that's adults, something yeah. that people don't realize. I mean, even Calvary Chapel, when we first came, there was the service that everybody was in. Mm-hmm. And then there was what they called junior church, or we would go to Sunday school and the adults would go to Sunday school. And that was a little more in-depth. Sometimes you talk about the study, but everyone was following the same curriculum. Yeah. So I think a lot of people um, don't know. I mean, we've broken a lot of traditions at Calvary Chapel. <laughs> we continue to break traditions. Um, but that's that's fascinating. And the neat thing is, is because the family was involved in Sunday school times, they would always have missionaries coming from all over the world or all over the country. They'd come and meet with this ministry, and so the Howard family would invite them to come over. So Elizabeth Elliot got to hear all the missionaries, and she loved missionaries. So cool. And basically, she was raised to be a missionary. <laughs> that was just kind of their whole philosophy, is to ma- raised to be in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And one of the people that really made an impact on Elizabeth was Betty Scott. 
Mm-hmm. And yes. when Betty yes. Scott yeah, yes. came to the home, and just a short while later, because Betty stopped at their home and then went to China. Right. And when she went to China, that's when she got married. That's right. And then she had a little baby. Down. And then yep. we know the story. If you if you don't know the story, listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, Elizabeth was just so impressed with that that she felt as a teenager, young teenager, that she wanted to be just like Betty Scott. Now, Stan. when I heard mm-hmm. um, Elizabeth Elliott speak, she actually quoted some of Betty Scott's poetry. Right. Mm-hmm. And she would do that quite often. And we're going right. to see there's actually a couple of parallels in their lives that are yes. pretty fascinating. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That right. you couldn't well, have planned that the Lord did. They're yep. both named Elizabeth. Well, there's that too. Yes. <laughs> and they both were known as Betty. Because yeah. uh, Elizabeth hey. was not known as Elizabeth. She was known as Betty. That's interesting. And yes. uh, so as a teenager, Elizabeth w- heard about this um, this uh, academy. It's a boarding school uh, in Florida, and it's called the Hampton DeBow Academy. Mm-hmm. And oh, it was for Beau. missionaries and for people in leadership. So the the Graham, Billy Graham family, you know, they were there. And I think Arlita Winston went there. And this academy, you were trained to be a missionary, but you also were trained to know how to do, to handle yourself in formal uh, mm-hmm. situations. So you knew how to use China, you knew how to, all your manners, you've learned all the manners mm-hmm. and everything, but you also learned how to pluck and cook chickens because they wanted to teach missionaries. They mm-hmm. wanted to be able to send them out mm-hmm. wherever and they would survive. Wow. So she went there, and that was quite an experience to her. And she has story after story about Mrs. Debeau and how Mrs. Debeau was determined to take Elizabeth, who was a very shy person, and turn her into an outgoing person. And <laughs> then Elizabeth went to Wheaton College. Okay, now, Kathy, when you're talking about, like, this story, because I had never heard that part about the um, school, what book would that be in? It wouldn't be in any book. It's just in her conversations, maybe in a few of her, um, I think mostly when you're in her teaching. Okay. Mm. Yeah, now, okay. in her new book that's coming out on her, will it be in Oh, that? yes, it's in there. And okay. that. And speaking of that new book, uh-huh. I have to tell you. Everyone, especially you listeners, mm-hmm. Becoming Elizabeth Elliot by Ellen Vaughn is the most outstanding biography I've ever read about, about wow. Elizabeth. And I thought I knew Elizabeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got all these details, um, like the Hampton DeBow Academy, like what it was like in the jungle working with another missionary, what it was like for Elizabeth to lose her husband, mm. and just the heart wrench, and then her heart cry that Elizabeth had after losing her husband to these violent Stone Age Indians that speared him and his four fellows to mm-hmm. death. And her heart cry is either, Lord, take me home or take me to so that I could reach mm. these Indians. Well, right. we're getting of, ahead of ourselves. I'm yes, so sorry. That's are. a good... No, yes. it's all right. So kinda... she was in Wheaton College. And so in Wheaton College, mm. and I I would just want to say something about Wheaton College. Yeah. Wheaton College... Um, That's where Billy uh, and Ruth went. Yeah, mm-hmm. Billy and Ruth went. And Raymond Edmond, and he um, wrote the book, They Found the Secret on the Holy, the right. Holy oh, yeah. Spirit. Yeah. He was right. the uh, dean or the head of the college. But Wheaton College was known for one of the stops on the Underground Railroad. Love uh, it. Two, in the 1800s, it was the only... Christian college that would accept women and blacks. Wow. African Americans. And that was yeah. huge. And yes, so they man. were gradu- they graduated women and, and African Americans. And um, there were a lot of people there at the time, and Jim Elliott happened to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth uh, specialized in Greek, classic Greek, and she wow. did it because she knew that it would help her with translating. Work. Sure. And she had a gift with linguistics, mm. and uh, she was an excellent mimic. And so she had a gift, and she mm-hmm. trained for that mm-hmm. at Wheaton College. Was this, sorry, not to rabbit trail, was this pre-Wycliffe? 
Because Wycliffe translators, that's or was it maybe around that time? I wonder just if she was in any way connected she, with them. Uh, after or... Wheaton College, she went to Prairie Bible Institute, okay. Ellie Maxwell's. Um, and Ellie Maxwell is a fan. I'm a fan of Ellie Maxwell because he did the book Born Crucified, and mm, I just loved him. Yeah. And then from there, she went to... Um, did a like a summer with Wycliffe. Yeah, they do and summers did of linguistics. Yeah, so she did okay, some so translation in the summer. Yeah. But okay. do you want me to tell you some more? Well, oh, I want to know about Wheaton yeah, because that's Wheaton. when she first saw Jim. And Jim <laughs> yes. was very popular, oh, my uh, very handsome. Oh, my and goodness. I remember hearing Elizabeth Elliot say she never thought she would be married. She right. just didn't think she was attractive. She didn't think she had the personality. Shy. She, yes, shy. But she just never thought. Um, thought that kind of like your sister Maddie I remember when she said that to me Jasmine's sister Maddie like I'll never be married Jasmine's the one with all the you know she has the boyfriend yeah Yeah. (laughs) so anyway I I, and Elizabeth Elliot just never thought and here pretty much who Elizabeth Elliot Mm. thought was the best looking oh he was he was he was the BMOC big man on campus (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so he was the star Mm -hmm. and he took a liking to her Mm -hmm. as well as she to him Mm But one thing he always made clear in their relationship, as much as she was falling in love with him mm-hmm. and he was falling in love with her, he always made clear that I am single hmm. for indefinitely because I'm going to the jungle. Mm-hmm. And right. I want to go to the jungle and I want to go to the worst place on the planet and I don't want to uh, have anybody in mm. danger. And they were in classes me. together, right? So they yes, were training they towards the same. But he was same. a year behind her. Okay. A year behind so, her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I remember something else about um, that romance. Well, actually um, – the book on the with the these strange ashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of her correspondence with, with Jim, Jim because she was writing to him at that time. Right. Too. So they and had, I think in yeah. Passion and Purity she includes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Passion and Purity so talks I, about their love life and right. having to put it on the altar mm-hmm. and just yeah. surrender it because. Uh, it took five years of just that continual surrender because he was not sure. Until I'll tell you what happened. Yes, please. Do it. Okay. Yes. So, but first of all, so they, they were always co- corresponding and he invited her to see his family in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So he that brings Elizabeth to his family. And mm-hmm. this is what um, uh, Jim reported to Elizabeth, his family's impression of her. And this is, I'm going to read this. Uh-oh. You made a universally horrible impression. <laughs> oh it could gosh. not be worse. Mother considered it a flop. And they criticized her character and her Christianity because Elizabeth is very reserved mm. and they're a very outgoing family. Right. And Jim is a very outgoing person. Well, she's stringent. Yeah. yeah. She was she's stri- very East Coast. Yes. Yeah. East Coast. Even very proper. Yes. Very proper. Well, proper, but you don't show weakness. You don't show um, emotion. emotion. Emotion is considered weakness. It's very East Coast, at least then, especially, you know, from the um, Maine and those, you mm, know. New England. It, because yeah. they had to, you know— suffered through harsh winters and uh, you know, the winters in Oregon are, are much uh, milder than the winters in yeah. uh, the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So there is just this kind of East Coast resiliency. And I think she was re- naturally reserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just was herself. But and stalwart, it was though. It was kind of intimidating to the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they ironed that out, and the family <laughs> fell in love with her, okay. of course. Okay, okay. So, yes. and, uh, <laughs> I know. It would be heartbreaking. And that tells you her character because – I would have said, forget it. Well, you know, yeah. how, you know, this man that you're totally in love with, when he tells you, you really blew it around yes. my family, 
Can you yeah, imagine? Peace out, dude. Yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah. yeah like, <laughs> tells you thank about you Jim's for your honesty. Character. Yes, yeah. very, very honest. Very yes. honest. honest. Very honest, and very not open. realizing that you just you just broke your beloved's heart. Yeah. by your mm-hmm. words, he did. He did apologize later. Mm-hmm. He realized it took him a while to realize just how harsh that was. Mm-hmm. So uh, she was invited to New York City by the Brethren, the Plymouth Brethren, which was Jim's uh, church se- sending church, and she became a Plymouth Brethren missionary. Mm-hmm. They invited her to New York City to learn uh, Spanish amongst Mm -hmm. the Spanish speakers there. And she met a woman, and this is what I thought was so interesting, Doreen Clifford. And Doreen Clifford was a missionary to Ecuador, and Mm -hmm. she wanted to reach the Alka Indians Mm -hmm. back then. And she said this. She said, humanly, it is impossible for women to do such work. Men have tried and been killed. Mm. But Doreen wanted to couple with Elizabeth in prayer to pray for the Alka, Mm. that a woman could be would go in and reach them because she wow. felt that there would be a way a woman could go right. in and reach wow. them. That so prophetic. that was planted in Elizabeth's heart way before Jim knew was ready to yes. go to the Alcas. Amazing. And so uh, she went in 1952. She went to Ecuador mm. with Doreen, and they were there in Ecuador. And shortly after that, Jim joined her. Mm. And so Elizabeth spent uh, an, a year in with the Colorado Indians and the Colorado Indians. And they, they weren't together at this point, right? No, they, they were, were not. Serving he was in, in a Ecuador, separate part separate of Ecuador. Areas, right. she was, and she, he kept saying, nope, I can't yep. marry. Yep. Nope. It, it, um, it's just, we, I don't know. We're, we want to reach these Indians. I cannot bring a wife. I do not know if I'll ever marry. So mm. she was always kind of on, like not knowing what yeah. was going to happen so she with had their relationship. The so she just and, kept yep. putting the relationship on the altar. She went to the Colorado Indians to translate, and she um, translated for them. She had an, what's called an informant, and um, mm. she had one blow after the, another. And before I tell you about what happened, she did get a, a, a message from Jim. He wired her, and he said, come. And so Elizabeth knew that that meant something serious he had to say to her. Mm. So she went by horseback and by banana truck, 10-hour trip (laughs) to get to Quito. And it was there that he um, proposed to her. Wow. And he asked if she would marry him. And that was their first kiss. So And he had a ring. She goes, he had a ring for me. And so they were engaged. Okay, that's amazing. I mean, he's going to propose. Most men would go to their bride-to-be. Yeah, but no, he says, like, come. come, come. So that's kind of a radical. signal of how the marriage was going to be. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Who is in the lead? And I will say. And just they were a, both very strong. Yeah, yeah. Very strong. Oh, yeah. And well, at this juncture, I do just want to say, like, this is where you see so many parallels. The relationship is so parallel to the stamps. Okay. The laying it on the altar constantly yes. until that right moment yes. when yes. the Lord says, go. And yes. I just love the continual surrender right. until the right time. Right. So, yeah. And, and so, while she was in Quito with him, she had went uh, had her physical, and they found a, a TB, a tuberculosis ooh. lesion on her no. on her lung. No. And so she again had to lay her life on the altar and say, "Lord, <sighs> here I think I thought I was going to be a missionary. Here I thought I was going to be a wife, and I am been given a death sentence." And Four days later, she had another x-ray, and it was gone. That's crazy. And Jim said, the Lord healed you. The Lord has a calling on your life. And so he said, there's one condition about our getting married. You have to learn Quechua. And Quechua is another language. So she went back to the Colorado Indians and learned Quechua. And it was during that time as she's working on translation work and learning Quechua that her informant was murdered. Hmm. And at the same time as she handed over what all the work that she had done to the other missionary— uh, and she left. She found out from the other missionary that all that work that she worked on 
was uh, lost. The suitcase was lost. So another just putting it on the altar. All of her translation All work. All the translation gone. work. And again, uh, that's in These Strange Ashes, which is a great book. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, that one I was telling you, one of the quotes is, God doesn't give advice. Mm. You know, he tells you what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that really, because, you know, people think of sometimes when God speaks as helpful suggestions. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just advice. It is the word of God. Yeah. It's mm. the word of authority. Call it's to, the word of yeah. direction. To yeah. obedience. Right. Yeah. right. So the Jim is uh, there. He's one of the missionaries, and he just found out that they had, they're opening up a new mission station, and they needed a husband and wife to be there. So Jim dropped his Quechua necessity for her to learn the language and said, well, how soon can you get married? How soon can you come again? Come. We're getting married. And so in October 8th of 1953, she was there in Quito. They had a very simple, um, small ceremony, and they— had a short, sweet honeymoon, and then they immediately went off to the dense, wet jungle to live in a tent mm. with the s- soggy rain and flooding and everything. And she said she was blissfully happy. Mm. She was oh, so happy gosh. to live in this tent in the jungle. And she it. ate armadillo legs and wild duck and capybara, <laughs> which is large rodents, and yep. the chichi. Or chai chai, the I don't want to tell you how that is made, uh, but they ate what the natives ate, mm-hmm. and they longed to have a child. They longed to have a son. And mm-hmm. on February twenty seventh, nineteen fifty five, their child was born. And as Jim held this child in his arms, he named her Valerie. It wasn't a son, but he was so happy to have this child. And so um, during this time at their at this mission station, they were constantly praying about the unreached people. How can we get the unreached, the, the most unlikely to be reached? And everybody knew that there was one name, the Alka or the Wayadani. Mm. And they prayed and prayed and they started flying over. They found, they found them and they started flying over their settlements and s- dropping down um, supplies to them and making contact. And so by this time, though, that uh, there are only two pilots in uh, South America. This is uh, also in... Uh, Mission to the Headhunters by mm-hmm. Frank and Marie Drown, mm-hmm. which is an excellent book, yes, huge, excellent. but so good. But he talked about um, these missionaries, they all knew each other, and there were only two pilots in South America, and it was a very difficult thing to be a pilot because the landing strips were so uh, primitive oh, yeah, small and short. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, And so um, Nate Saint was like the best, mm-hmm. the best pilot. And so they got in touch with him. And this guy could build anything. He fixed his own planes. And he actually, at one point, uh, made uh, their little house. He built it. And he figured out how he could put a refrigerator in and make the one side of it where you know, all the wires are uh, dry out uh, this uh, to keep it. Uh, so they had a dry room, which was where you would store your food. And then they had the refrigerator in the kitchen. And it was just like so ingenious. Really? And so they were all copying. Yeah. Uh, Nate Saint, but they all like adored him. So he's the pilot for this. Yes. Mm. And Jim would go on a lot of those flights oh, yes. if they dropped him down. Right. Mm. So. And there was a there was five of them, and they were all friends. Half of them had gone to Wheaton together. So mm. it was Nate, it was Roger Yadarian, it was Pete Fleming, Ed McCauley, and Steve Saint. So these five, with their all that, they were all married. They mm-hmm. all had children, and they were all praying together mm. to reach the Alka. Mm. And the day came when they knew that they needed to go as soon as possible because Alka 
had killed themselves, they killed each other. Mm. They were the most violent people. They killed any white person, mm-hmm. and yeah. they were afraid the government was well, going to step in. It was the in. Shell oh. Oil company. And the Shell Oil Company. The, these right. men that yeah. kept trying to go into even an area that was near there, the Aka Indians yeah. would um, ambush them and mm-hmm. kill them constantly. Mm-hmm. So there were quite a few deaths. And so it was Shell that was saying, They're very yeah, volatile. And the government, you, 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 you either the, step you in st- or. Right. I mean, because Shell was like, and that was lucrative for the government. So mm-hmm. they wanted Shell. So. Yeah. And so they they made contact and they were getting ready to fly in with the, a little plane and mm-hmm. try to find an air uh, some place to land it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but all that time, Elizabeth was saying, you know, it would be better if you brought wives. It would be better if you brought children. And they said, absolutely not. If we bring it, it's too dangerous. So right. that whole time, Elizabeth was saying, please consider taking us. Interesting. But. Um, Nate Saint found the landing strip. They landed. They made camp. They made contact. Mm-hmm. They had um, two women and a man come out of the jungle, and they mm-hmm. were interacting and thought it was great. And the next day, uh, Nate was up in the plane, and he said that we could see um, a bunch of guys, a bunch of natives coming towards us, and that was Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And on that Sunday morning, um, uh, that was January 8th, 1956. Mm-hmm. The wives got the radio message from Nate saying that the guys were coming, getting closer, and that was the last they heard from their husbands. Mm-hmm. And they didn't hear anything else. And the whole world knew at that moment because they had, like, trans world radio. The whole world knew that the that the that they couldn't get in touch with the My dad said and my mother yeah. that people in the United States were praying. I mean, it was kind mm-hmm. of like it was known. Yeah, it, it was, was known. very known. It was, and people were listening. It was on the news, mm-hmm. and people were wondering what happened to these. And they were all so good looking. Yeah. All those oh, young yeah. men the, were so good looking, and the they kept showing their the pictures. I mean, right. the, they were brilliant, mm-hmm. intelligent, young. God-fearing, young, yeah, a lot of potential, family. Mm-hmm. You know, family men, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I know, flying over, they saw a body in the river. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. was Rogers. Was it Rogers' body that they had seen? Or? I, one of them. And Frank Drown, they asked Frank to yeah. head up a team with soldiers as well as missionaries as well as Indians going to find out what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And they were scared. Mm-hmm. They yeah. went in with guns loaded and waiting mm-hmm. for the ambush. Mm-hmm. And it, it was Frank that said when he saw his friend that he just wept mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he knew his friend. And they couldn't they couldn't really identify them. Oh. Even though it had been five days, uh, all they could tell was some clothing or their rings or their watches. That's the only wow. way they could identify You know, I them. heard uh, Frank Drown speak. I think he was in his 80s yeah. by that time retired. And it had, you know, been like 40 years since the incident. Yeah. And he still would weep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He what? could never tell the story without weeping because Nate Saint was actually his best friend. Mm. Yeah. And so yeah. he really, really wept. Yeah. It was just... Um, And the women, uh, this is a quote from the women. The Lord stood by all of us in a way unimaginable. All of us are so happy that the men died in such a way, in the fullness of their might. It was a kindness of God that they were able to find all the bodies so easily. And uh, Elizabeth Elliot had been married to Jim for two years and three months, the love Mm. of her life, and Valerie was 10 months old Mm. when this happened. Gosh, this Mm. is almost exactly like the Stam story, isn't it? Very much so. The child was still a baby. Very much so. Yeah. And then once they found the the men, then the news went all over Mm -hmm. the world. They Mm -hmm. sent uh, Cornell Kappa, which was this world-renowned correspondent Mm. and photographer, Sent him there. He was there. He actually was part of the um, yes, team Frank Drown's Frank team. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to take the pictures. And then Cornell and Elizabeth became very close. <clears throat> mm. And Cornell is the one that um, suggested 
to um, the publishers, Harper and Brothers, that Elizabeth would be a good person to write the book mm. on this, taking the pictures. Mm. Was that Savage My Kinsman? Yes. Yeah. Savage My Kinsman. Yeah. And so she be- she took Valerie and went back to New York City. Valerie was with their grandparents, and she spent six weeks in a hotel and wrote the whole book. Mm. Wow. And it became... She feared that it would be a failure, but it became almost immediately a number one bestseller. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody was reading it. Well, that's through Gates of Splendor. Yeah, right? three, yeah oh, I'm sorry, I was through Gates of the Splendor. Other one that she took pictures um, for. The, and that became a number one bestseller. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone was reading it, everyone was buying it for their friends. Um, My dad read that book. Yeah, yeah. and that and it became so, one of the most yeah. influential Christian books of the nineteen of the twentieth century. Right. Well, wow. it was a it was an incredible book for my dad. I mean, he said it just it just changed his life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he wasn't the only one. No, so right. Everybody. I wonder, too, do you think that this was like at a time when, because of technology um, expanding and the media being able to see more of these things, these kinds of stories, like the, the, suddenly, I mean, I can't, today it seems like it would, you know what I mean, not be well, as sensational. Well, not only story. that, the radio and then the magazines, because yeah. magazines were so big. So Time yeah. Magazine doing its feature, it, so everybody yeah. used the magazines like I think social media. Too, yeah. It was a different time, too, mm-hmm. when missionaries were thought of as sacrificial. Yes. And it was mm-hmm. a time in the United States, you're coming out. Of World War II, yeah, where we won that because I mean, people felt like we won World War II because of our righteousness, right? Because we were a righteous nation, mm-hmm. and Hitler was an unrighteous right. nation, and what they did to the Jews. So there was this kind of purification in the United States, and we were looking for heroes yeah. in the United States. And so these men, they were pure, they were upright, they were brilliant, mm. and so they became you know, instant heroes. The and so, yeah, yeah, and I think that was part of it, though. It was just the atmosphere of the nation yeah. at the yeah. time, too. Wow. It's like Jim said, no man's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he yeah. was an, exemplified that. And the wives exemplified that. And yes. Elizabeth exemplified that in giving her husband. So Can she I, comes oh. back from New York and... Mm-hmm. What made her decide to go to the Aka Indians? Well, first she went back to the Quechua Indians because her okay. husband said, teach teach the, the Indians. Don't don't leave your post, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she did. She went back to the Quechua the whole time praying. And this is this is what she one of the, the her statements, the fact that Jim loved and died for the Alka or the Wadani intensified my love for them. God mm-hmm. either send me there or take me home. And that was her heart cry. She either wanted to die or she wanted to go to these Mm. Indians and bring the gospel to them and praying for them. um, She, uh, two Alka, uh, Alka women came to out of us and met up with some Quechua Indians. The Quechua Indians came and got Elizabeth and said, the Alka women are here. They're here. Mm. Come and see them. She was staying. um, I remember she was staying someplace and they crossed onto the farm that she was staying at. Well, no, they went and got her and brought her to the farm with the, yeah. And then she stayed with them there. Uh And then, then they, she took them back to her Quechua Mm -hmm. settlement Mm -hmm. and she was there with them a year, the whole time, just spending, uh, learning the language, learning the language. And, uh, and it was not long that September 8th, 1958, so just two years, just less mm-hmm. than two years after Jim was killed, she and Valerie and Rachel Saint went to, were invited, mm-hmm. were assured, we won't kill you, but she never was assured they wouldn't be killed. And mm-hmm. in the her parents, all their friends said, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You do not take that baby to, amongst those Indians. Mm-hmm. But she just trusted God and said, I, I'm living for the moment. God's got this. I'm mm-hmm. not assured that I won't be killed, but I know God's sending me here. And she went. Oh, I and I it. remember, you know, um, reading how she lived in a hammock. 
Yes. Um, you know, that was a hammock. How I, she said monkey brains yep. Yep. was the big thing that they yeah. would do. And it was a delicacy. Yep. Yeah. And they would give you the skull of the monkey with a, with a kind of a, a, a makeshift straw. And that was, you know, yeah. something, and that was just something that you got used to, you know. And here's this woman that loved hygiene, loved China, yeah. loved proper. <laughs> she was willing to live in an open air. Yeah, mm-hmm. no walls, uh, no, no walls. privacy. Everybody's yeah. around you. Everybody comes in and out, including the dogs and at the chickens. And at all hours. <laughs> and they're in the mud, and they're with the monkeys and eating whatever is served, and she was blissfully happy. Yeah. Loved it. And we're and not the, even talking yeah, about, I, I can't remember, what's the name of the steak that's down there? That um, oh, It'll come to me probably between mm. these two. Uh, in fact, I'll look it up while we're, <laughs> you know, this. You know what? We're, we're only at part one. I know. And there is so, <laughs> so much more that we want to tell you. That's why we decided to make this in yes, two definitely. and not just one. So when you hear this, you're going to be like, I can't wait for next week to hear <laughs> the rest. Like, what happened with the Akas? Uh, what happened mm-hmm. after that yep. made a Delta? What happened after <laughs> these things? So, Kathy, just like in 30 seconds, tell us about when we come back for part two, what, what you want to share about some of well, the things. Well, I want to tell you how... Elizabeth transformed my life. Okay. And yeah. I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. She made an impact on Cheryl Broderson's father. That's right. But she also made an impact on me. And she is going to be making an impact on this next generation yeah. because there's nobody quite like her that went whole all out for Jesus mm-hmm. and just laid her life on the altar and received back life. And mm-hmm. I want you to find out how good yeah. that life is. And it wasn't yeah. an, it wasn't her her life wasn't easy. No. But mm-hmm. it was Fruitful. Radiant, yeah. That's right. So this is um, Cheryl Broderson. This is Jasmine. Jasmine, do you have uh, something to close us out with? Maybe about somebody sending in a woman that's oh, changed yeah, their that's, life? Oh, yes, yes. If you would like to, <laughs> please send us anything on a woman that you think we should know. We would love to hear from you. So until, until you tune in again, this is it. Join us for part two next week. Yes. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.